This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. Are you left wanting more at the end of each episode of this show? Are these short sessions getting you fired up to try new skills for yourself and share the journey with others who are working through the same challenges? Well, the good news is that this podcast is only the beginning. The real action and learning is happening on the Regenerative Skills Discord channel, where you can connect with the whole community to dive deeper into the topics on the show, explore solutions, and share your journey and blooper reel with an active group that can't wait to hear from you. You can get your questions answered and share knowledge and wisdom of your own on a safe platform that, unlike the social media giants, won't steal your personal data to advertise to you in creepy ways. Ditch Facebook and join us where the real skill builders are. Just find the link to the Discord chat on the homepage at regenerativeskills.com. Hey everybody and welcome back. Now, in working in regenerative design for a while and being connected with many other people who make their living this way, myself and a lot of others have begun to identify patterns in the questions and troubles that people reach out to us consultants and designers for. Now, I haven't been in this line of work nearly as long as the team at Verge Permaculture, and so it felt really good to hear that many of the commonalities that they've seen from clients and students mirror my own experience. The truth is that permaculture is a very broad design philosophy that can feel overwhelming, even with years of experience, and especially at the beginning of a project, when you're still gathering information about your ecology and your context, and when you see so much potential in front of you. For this reason, it can be extremely helpful to have a guide that outlines a process that can illuminate and simplify the options available to you and cut through that overwhelm. Throughout this season, I'll be teaming up with the members of Verge Permaculture to show you the process that they've outlined in their new book, Building Your Permaculture Property. In five clear steps, their process can guide you through the minefield of choices and pitfalls while designing your project and then implementing the design. Step zero is about inspecting your paradigm, and it'll give some context to the other steps. Step one is to clarify your vision, values, and resources. Step two is to diagnose your resources for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Step three is to design your resources to meet your vision and values. Step four is to implement the right design that will most improve your weakest resource. And step five is to monitor your resources for indicators of well-being or suffering. So in today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dakota Cohen of Cohen Farms in Alberta, Canada, about step zero and step one to start you on the process of design and implementation. Now, for those of you who want to get ahead of the game faster than I can put these episodes out and to learn from more than 15 of the biggest names in permaculture on how to transform your property, The authors Dakota, Rob, and Michelle will be hosting their online summit for the release of the book from April 23rd through the 25th. The summit is completely free and you can register at mypermacultureproperty.com. But anyway, so let's get started from the beginning. Dakota began our discussion by explaining the five common problems that he and the team at Verge repeatedly hear about, which then led to the five-step process in the book. So the, the, the very first thing we try to do is figure out where people are at on the spectrum of overwhelm when it comes to permaculture. And so what, what we found is that there's kind of five stages uh, or five struggles that people go through uh, when they're trying to put permaculture into practice. And, and so I'll try to ask questions 
to figure out which uh, which one of those stages they're at because that'll help me to figure out okay where you know how can I tailor my uh, my advice to uh, to get them out of that and so the, the 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 five struggles are essentially what do I do if somebody's in this stage they're they're kind of overwhelmed with all the different options they're quite new to to permaculture and they're like okay you know do I do swales or keyline do I do a, a passive solar greenhouse or do I do hoop houses they're asking really specific uh, questions like that, and and typically the uh, the way that they're asking them lets me know that they really uh, don't, haven't done a lot of the background kind of context work, and then the the, the second kind of uh, problem or struggle is uh, wh- where do I find? So it starts out with what do I do, and then it goes into where do I find, and this is all about people trying to uh, they're looking for information. Hey, do you have any suggestions about which courses, which podcasts, which books I should read about these specific things? And then the, uh, the third struggle is uh, how does it all connect? They've, they've got a bit of context. They've, they've done some research on, you know, the, the, the swales and the chickens and the, um, and the forest gardens. And now they're starting to think about, okay, you know, permaculture is not about the individual elements. It's about how they all connect together. They've got that. And they're trying to do design work, but they're, they're, they're struggling with, you know, how do I fit all these, you know, thousands of, of needs and yields relationships into some kind of a usable design. And then, so after, after how does it all connect? It, it's, it starts out with, okay, now where do I start? You know, they feel like they've got a design, um, they're, they're, but they're struggling with okay, prioritization, decision-making, um, and, uh, and, and, and probably a little bit of, of worry about not wanting to paint themselves into a corner because they probably made a few mistakes already and, and they don't want to do that again. And then the, the, the fifth and final struggle is um, when does it end? And, um, and they're, they're essentially overwhelmed with, with all of the stuff. They've, they've, they've had some pretty bad failures and, and you know, they followed somebody else's recipes. It hasn't worked out. And so these five struggles, like what do I do? Where do I find? How does, it, how does it all fit together? Where do I start? And when does it end? Those are essentially the, the five struggles that led to the five-step process that, um, and this kind of all happened organically when, as we were you know, doing our, our education and, and consulting with our clients. Um, we were trying to systematize uh, and come up with a step-by-step process that was relatively easy to follow. And, um, but as a result of noticing all these patterns that people were struggling with over the years, we, we kind of made the connections like, oh yeah, like we were just doing this kind of organically that, that our process actually helps to solve these, these five kind of really common things that, that are, are tripping people up when they're trying to put permaculture into practice. One of the things that makes the design process easier is first understanding the concept of thought paradigms. Now, Carol Sanford, who I had had on the show back in episode one of this season, speaks a lot about this concept. So I'll refer people back to her work for a really in-depth understanding of paradigms. But Dakota has also had his own journey through the different windows into seeing and interacting with the world, and he breaks them down in a way that's easy to grasp. With this understanding of frameworks for seeing the world, how can we use it to audit our own thinking to identify which paradigm we are using to make decisions from? One of the frameworks that I found really useful is something we call the the three paradigms. It starts out in, in the degenerative paradigm, which is kind of where where uh, I see kind of Western civilization has been in a major sense for the past couple hundred years. And so within this paradigm, there's the idea that, um, you know, essentially humans are um, separate and above nature. 
And, and so this is based on, you know, things like extraction, you know, control, uh, and, and, um, and, and, and self-righteousness. We feel like we have the, the ability to do whatever we want. And so, of course, we know where this paradigm is leading. It's leading to this destruction of our ecosystem, which will eventually lead to the destruction of ourselves. And so th that paradigm is starting to come to an end. And a new paradigm is starting to emerge, which we refer to as the sustainable paradigm. And so in this paradigm, we, we start to see uh, humans as we're still separate from the natural world, but we're below it. Which, you know, you know, for example, folks like Sir David Attenborough and a lot of other kind of envir environmentalists believe that, you know, planet Earth would be better off if humans just went somewhere else. You know, we are essentially inherently stupid, lazy, and immoral. Uh, or from an evolutionary perspective, you know, we, um, yes, we evolved, you know, we are the, the end pinnacle of billions of years of evolution, but we still have all of the, the hangups kind of from our chimp ancestors, right? It's this, it's this very, we're separate, but we're actually less than, than the natural world. Both these paradigms end, to this, end in the same uh, destruction. Uh, the, in the degenerative paradigm, we destroy the earth and eventually we die because we, we can no longer live on this planet. In the sustainable paradigm, we remove ourselves from the ecosystem because, you know, we're bad. And so the only way to do less bad is to, to, to kill ourselves. I don't want to play those games. They're, they're you know, zero-sum games. I want to play in the regenerative paradigm, which is this, this understanding that um, uh, humans are not separate and above or below nature. We are nature. We are, you know, we have just as much of a right to be on this planet as, as any other organism. Um, and just like any other organism, we can exceed the carrying capacity of our ecosystems. But uh, we also, uh, I think, you know, unique, uniquely to my knowledge, have, have the, um, the ability to kind of, um, you know, gather and, and co connect seemingly disparate pieces of information and, 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 you know, project into the future. And, 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 you know, as opposed to just, you know, the rabbit and coyote populations forever, you know, going through these boom and bust cycles opposite to each other, we can... Uh, intelligently um, make ethical decisions about how we're going to live so that we don't have to go through those boom and bust cycles. And, and so the, the regenerative paradigm is, is based on this idea of uh, interconnect, interconnectedness and, uh, and you know, c compassionate co-creation and, and all these different things. And so the, like a really simple uh, um, you know, uh, way to, to look at this is, is the degenerative paradigm is how do I get more goods? And then the, the sustainable paradigm is, is how do I do less bad? And then the regenerative paradigm is how do I do more good? Because when I do more, when I give back to the ecosystem, I know that I am the ecosystem. I'm just, I'm just investing in myself in another format. One of the, um, one of the exercises we recommend in the book is that after you've, um, after you've created your kind of vision and values one pager, which is, that's what we call basically once you've, um, once you've created these sentences for each of those, those eight forms of capital, uh, that's, 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 uh, what you want. And, and you've, you've summarized them as these, these are the optimal expressions of all your forms of resources. And then you've also done some research into, okay, what is ethical? Like what is your sentence for, for kind of describing what is right? And so for me, you know, my sentence I've mentioned several times is, is, uh, you know, what are the actions that, that benefit me? all other conscious creatures and provide them all with the, the same opportunities or better into the future. Earth care, people care, future care. And it's like, that's it. But like, that seems deceptively simple. It has taken me hundreds of hours and many drafts to kind of condense it or clarify it down to this point. 
But once you've got that, and the the purpose is you want that whole thing should fit on one piece of of um, you know an eleven half by seven paper. It's it's and, and we call that your your vision and values one pager, and th- and the reason we call it that is that you know one of the most common uh, statements that our clients and students say when they're trying to build a permaculture property with somebody else is you know I just I just feel like my partner and I aren't on the same page. And so, of course, well, the reason you're on the same page is because there isn't one. You've, you've never actually taken the time to clarify what is it that you want and what is right. And so now that you've got that one pager and and the 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 kind of benchmark that I use to because um, it's it's constantly going to be changing. And, and it's good because it's it's not the definition of what you want or what is right. That's important. It's the defining. It's the act of going through it and, and using it. And so. When you when you get to the point where you've you've got this one pager down, and you get goosebumps when you read it, or you you start to you know tear up or you know whatever it is, or you you have this feeling of euphoria, that's good enough. Stop there, and and now let's let's try to um, use this kind of later to make make decisions. But b- before we before we do that, if if it if it doesn't give you goosebumps. Um, one of the things that you can use to kind of see if there's if you you're kind of coming at this from one of the the kind of paradigms that is not optimal, the degenerative or the sustainable paradigm, is to go through each of those kind of sentences on your one pager and ask yourself, you know, is this coming from the degenerative paradigm or is this coming from the sustainable or the or the regenerative paradigm? And and so this is like, you know, is this um uh, is this based on the idea that I'm separate from the natural world and better than it or separate and worse than, or is it that I am nature? So the really good, good example of this, which was articulated beautifully by Penny Livingston Stark, who's another permaculture practitioner is she took a, um, a statement that was actually in, uh, the, the permaculture designers manual, I believe, or maybe it was one of Bill Malson's earlier quotes. He was defining what permaculture is. And he said, you know, permaculture is, is a system of working with rather than against nature. And that sounds great. So that might be one of the, the statements that you put on your vision and values one pager. The problem is that statement is coming from the sustainable paradigm. Because you're saying, well, I'm working with nature, but she's over here. And But you could also say, um, you know, on your vision and values, you know, uh, you know, my goal for, for say living capital is, you know, getting my natural ecosystems to work for me, which I'm pre- pretty sure is actually one of the old kind of taglines of Monsanto or Bayer or something, you know, it's like chemistry working for you. Or, <laughs> it's, it's really based on this idea of, of extraction and control and dominance. That's the degenerative paradigm. And so the, the regenerative way to stay that state, this is, and this is what Penny Livingston Stark came up with is that we are nature working. And it's it's a subtle shift, but like that gives me goosebumps every time I, I I say that or I read that. And so, going through each one of your your um, your vision and values uh, sentences on your one, one pager and asking that question, which paradigm am I writing this from? Uh, that can help to you know further clarify your vision and values. Now that you have a better understanding of the importance and auditing exercises for paradigm thinking. It's time to analyze the resources you personally have at your disposal so you know what you're working with as you make your design. Now, I've mentioned the eight forms of capital many times in previous seasons on this show, and I reference them frequently when I'm teaching restoration design. But I love Dakota's personal story of how learning to see value in the often overlooked forms of capital has affected his own life. You know, growing up on a farm, 
um, like we never had money. <laughs> In fact, we've we've basically been below the poverty line my whole life. However, I have I feel like I'm one of the richest people in the world because we grow all of our own food. We have amazing houses. We have amazing families. We have all these. But I always felt, you know, when I was comparing myself to, you know, my you know my friends at school or things like that, that I was somehow, you know, less than them, you know. And and so when I when I when I first saw this framework of of trying to understand what your what your resources are, I was like, oh man, like that, of course that's why I've I've always felt so rich is because, you know, the the money and and things, which is what most people attribute to, you know, the phrase capital, um, those are actually means to an end. You know, nobody has ever gotten to their deathbed and wished either dying wish man i wish i had i i gained more money and had more stuff with me right now nobody's ever done that everybody in their deathbed that I, that I, i'm aware of is always i wish i spent more time with my family i i wish i spent more time giving back to my community i wish i spent more time uh you know learning things or or you know developing um uh you know skills or or experiential capital for myself and and so when when i uh, when when this framework was introduced to me, it it really helped to you know clarify my own kind of vision and values and resources because once you're clear about all that you have existing, it and, and you frame it in terms of which we'll, I'll go through them right now. So of course there's uh, financial capital, material capital, living capital, uh, spiritual capital, social capital, experiential capital, intellectual capital, and cultural capital. And so when when you just just by um, I mean for me without even going any further into what those all are just the fact that we've we've now kind of expanded our definition of what what resources are we've also expanded our definition of what has value what's important to us and so the the I think this is where uh, to, to my knowledge anyways the the the, the unique piece that, that we added with our book to this eight eight forms of capital framework is that that's also the same framework that we use for helping people to clarify what it is they want. And so this is kind of where the whole thing comes together is, is, is once you figure out what you have and you kind of create an inventory of all these different forms of capital and, and being really specific, at least for the, the first go around, uh, I don't personally keep an active inventory of all these things. But when you, when you go through and you list off, okay, what are, what are all the you know, relationships that, that I have that are really meaningful. You know, what, what is my spiritual capital? What, what are all this, the skills that, um, that I've learned into my, from my life up until this point? What are, what's the intellectual capital? You know, what's my IP that I've developed in terms of you know, the, the, the courses or the you know, content that I've created? And you actually create a list of all those things. There's none of my students or clients who have done this have, have, have ever come away with, with anything other than the feeling of, I had no idea how wealthy I was. At the end of this, and so once you've got that inventory, then you kind of look at okay, now this is what I want, and and you try to come up with with uh, you know short sentences um, that are as clear as possible for each one of those eight forms of capital that describes okay this is my my optimal exp- you know the, the the optimal expression of this particular resource um, how how I would like it to be, but you write it in the in the present tense, and and you go through each of those eight things so. And then it kind of merges together. And now you've got, okay, this is what I have, but this is what I want. And there's a gap between those two things. And then 
And then that that greatly helps to inform, okay, what do I do to help bridge that gap? But of course, then you've got the overlay of what is right? What's the ethical thing to do? Because we can't just go around, you know, stealing other people's resources and making them wrong. Like that, that, that's, that's not ethical. Uh, and we also can't, you know, destroy the Earth's ecosystem because that's not ethical. And, um, and so having those three pieces, clarifying your vision, values, and resources, it, it, it suddenly makes it much easier to figure out, okay, what do I do? I love this point that Dakota made here, and I would expand on it and say that even if a person has a skewed sense of morals or ethics, one of the powerful aspects of the eight forms of capital is that it forces you to see that stealing or extracting, let's say money or physical resources, causes you to degrade other forms of capital and throw your resource base off balance. Stealing from someone erodes your social and cultural capital. Hurting another life form or a resource base for your ecosystem damages living capital and is indicative of a lack of spiritual capital. In this framework, wealth is achieved through balance rather than tipping the scale from one side to another, and universal values like sharing and cooperation is the only way to grow your wealth without degrading other facets of the whole. Dakota also points to an example of the Jeffersonian Bible to illustrate how people can investigate their own moral framework and selectively choose the advice and rules that are out there that serve their highest vision. This has powerful implications, not only for your permaculture design, but for your whole life, too. In terms of the, the Jeffersonian Bible, his, his, his process for, for kind of coming up with his own code of what was right and what was wrong, he actually went through uh, the Bible uh, line by line, and he cut out pieces that he didn't like with with uh, with a razor blade and uh, th that he felt was either um you know kind of outdated or was just unnecessary or or repetitive and then he was able to clarify it down into uh, like it went it just it was only a few hundred pages so it went from you know it's over like, like six or seven hundred pages down to just a few a few hundred of, of what was really important to him and and um and so that's essentially what what I encourage people to do is is to review kind of all of the um, you know the 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 textbooks that whether it's fiction or nonfiction whether they're uh, you know it's the Bible or the uh, the Quran or uh, you know it could be um, you know even even books like modern day philosophers like one of my favorites is uh, is a book called The Moral Landscape by Sam Harris and so my recommendation is essentially go through these these books that have really informed your understanding of ethics and morality and use this this litmus test um and basically have 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 two colored highlighters in hand you know a green one or a red one and and every kind of action or um uh you know kind of ethical framework that the the author or the deity kind of proposes for you uh you 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 ask this question okay if if i were to follow this you know, word for word, as it sits, without any kind of interpretation and stuff, or just as it is, if I were to follow this, what, would, would this this uh, idea or action lead towards uh, uh, basically a future of, of you know, earth care, people care, future care? You know, is, is this action good for me, good for all others, and, and, and would allow all others, all other conscious creatures, the same opportunities or better into the future? And if it's a yes, you know, mark it in green. And if that, that phrase or whatever is as meaningful to you, you know, pull it out uh, and, 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 and use that to inform your, um, your kind of uh, description or, 
or uh, phrasing of, of what is ethical, what is right. And, and if it doesn't, then cross it out and, and move on. And just like, you know, Thomas Jefferson did. And there's, there's a lot of other people that have kind of followed this, this same process. And, and so in, in this way, we can, we can move past the, the dogma that, that is associated with, with any of these particular belief systems. And we can truly come to, um, a, um, a system of morality that everybody could agree on. As we move on through the considerations in this first step of the process, We've audited our thought paradigm, done an inventory of our resources through the eight forms of capital, clarified our values, and the main thing left is to clarify your vision. Now I'll let Dakota explain how defining these three things can help to set a clear path by reducing the options that you have to consider. Uh, I think this is probably one of the most uh, valuable parts of, of the book and one of my most valuable insights. Um, and and I'll, I'll start with kind of my... Um, the, the way that I typically answer this, if, if I'm if I'm face to face with somebody, or if I'm fr- in front of a you know a, a chalkboard, or a, I've got a piece of paper, is when somebody asks a really specific question, like, "Hey, should I do swales or key line? Should I you know do this or that?" Um, the, the answer is always it depends, and every, you know, everybody laughs. No, yeah, I get that, but then like, and a lot of people make that joke, but very few people I've seen kind of go through. Okay, well, what does it depend upon? And so the my uh, kind of thoughts on this is that it depends on three things. And the, the very first one is, well, what do you want? Like, what's your why? What's, what's, your, what's your vision for your, for your property? Uh, the second one is, what do you have? What are your existing resources that you have access to or that you own? And then the, the, the third piece is, is what is right? And of course, the, the ethical component. Um, once you're kind of clear on that, it, it acts like a Venn diagram where you, as opposed to having this, this kind of infinite array of options uh, ahead of you, you, each one of those circles, when you clarify it, it cuts out everything except that what fits in that. So, okay, well, what is it that you actually want? Like, do you actually want to raise cattle and grow all your own food? Or is, are, you, are you more, are you, do you want to go homesteading or do you want to go full on production farm? Um, is it more about educating people or is it about, um, you know, growing, in, you know, self-sufficient. Well, now we only have to choose between a few of these options. And then you overlay on top of that. Okay, well, what do you already have? Like, what are your, is, is it realistic that you're going to build a, you know, a $2 million teaching institute on, a, on your backyard in, in, a, in a, you know, a, a, suburb, a suburban area? No, it's probably not. And so, okay, but, but everybody has a set of resources that, um, that is, is perfectly tailored to that person and so one of my uh, colleagues, Rob Avis, he, he often says this is that you, you, don't, you don't do permaculture, you use permaculture in what you do. And so, so many people come into this space and they have a background in, in software engineering or in, you know, residential construction or as, you know, uh, early childhood development, whatever it is. And, and then they, 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 they see permaculture and they get super excited and everybody wants to quit their job and start market gardening. <laughs> And it's like, no, like you have to figure out what do you have and how do you leverage that towards what your vision is? And then of course the last piece that, that kind of cuts out everything else is what's ethical? What is actually right? And, and this is based on you know, essentially the, the ethics of permaculture. Um, I, I prefer the, uh, the earth care, people care, uh, future care framework. And, and essentially this is, okay, what are the things that I can do that are good for me, good for the ecosystem, and allow all future organisms 
not just humans, all future organisms, the same opportunities are better into the future. And, and when, when you cut away everything else that doesn't fit into those Venn diagrams, you're left with at the, at the center of that, you know, those three circles, that's what, you, that's what you can do. And there might only be three or four options for any particular problem you're trying to solve. And, and that makes it so much easier. Now you're making decision based on three or four options as opposed to an infinite array. And there you have it. Though this is certainly a stripped down and simplified version of all the information on step one from the book, we've covered the main considerations in the first step in the process. So let's get a quick summary to help it sink in, as well as a preview of what we'll be diving into as we explore the next four steps in upcoming episodes. So we've just figured, we've just come through the, the, the first step in the process, which is clarifying your vision and values and resources, because that's going to help you figure out what to do. The next step in terms of, um, you know, where do I find, this is a, this is a kind of a, um, a paradox here, because the irony is that um, most people make the assumption that in order to get really good at permaculture, you have to memorize all this stuff, all this information, all these facts. And, and, and so step two in our next, in our, in the, in our process is actually all about organization as opposed to memorization. And so in that step, we, we provide a framework that helps you to diagnose your properties, strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Uh, and, and so you could look at this as the clarifying your vision and values, uh, and resources. That's, that's you. We've, we've kind of been clarifying you. The, the diagnosis process now is about your property. Um, and then once we've done both those, you know, step one, step two, the next step is, okay, well now how does it all connect together? This is now we're going to design your resources to meet your vision and values. That's step three. Uh, and that's going to help you overcome this struggle. How does it all connect together? And step four is, we've got that struggle, um, where do I start? And so in this step, we're going to be looking at, um, you know, how do we implement the, the, the right design um, in, in, in terms of, you know, what's the, what's the most you know, efficient and effective use of our resources that's going to you know, have the greatest thrust towards um, the well-being that we described in, in step one that's also in alignment with our, with our property and everything else. And then step five is uh, is all about okay, how do we overcome this this struggle of of when does it end this this burnout this you know ecological economic or um, emotional bankruptcy that is just so common in the permaculture space, and so that step is all about monitoring for uh, what I call suffering and well-being as as indicators and suffering and well-being in yourself and suffering and well-being in your ecosystem or you're kind of on your property to make sure that you're, that you're heading in the right direction as opposed to the wrong one. So this is all about monitoring. Special thanks to Dakota Cohen for sharing his wealth of knowledge. We covered so much in this interview that didn't make it into the episode, but you can access the full unedited interview with Dakota through the subscription options on our Patreon page. And for the Patreon subscribers, you've now got access to the resource packet that goes along with this episode as well. This week's original music is by Mixwell, my old buddy from Guatemala. Check out his latest album of thumping tribal dance beats, Espiritu del Fuego, on SoundCloud. And if you'd like to have your own original music featured on the show, or just want to get in touch, you can email me directly at info at regenerativeskills.com. That does it for this week. Until next time, keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way.